Is there a witch in the woods? A curse on your camp? Something lurking in your language? It's time to find out. Welcome to the Cow Hour. I'm your host, Briar. And I'm Nora. And this week we've watched Pontypool. Mrs. French's cat is missing. The signs are posted all over town. Have you seen Honey? We've all seen the posters, but nobody has seen Honey the cat. Nobody. Until last Thursday morning, when Miss Colette Piscine swerved her car to miss Honey the cat as she drove across a bridge. Well, this bridge, now slightly damaged, is a bit of a local treasure and even has its own fancy name, Pont de Flac. Now, Colette, that sounds like culotte. That's petty in French. And piscine means pool, panty pool. Flac also means pool in French, so Colette piscine. In French, Patty Pool drives over the Pont de Flac, the Pont de Pool, if you will, to avoid hitting Mrs. French's cat that has been missing in Pontypool. Pool. Pontypool. Pool. Pontypool. Pool. Patty Pool. Pont de Flac. What does it mean? Well, Norman Mayor, he had an interesting theory that he used to explain the strange coincidences in the aftermath of the JFK assassination. In the wake of huge events after them and before them, physical details, they spasm for a moment, they sort of unlock, and when they come back into focus, they suddenly coincide in the weird way. Street names and birth dates and middle names, all kind of superfluous things appear related to each other. It's a ripple effect. So, what does it mean? Well, it means something's going to happen. Something big. But then, something's always about to happen. So, en route to his new job as the morning radio anchor in the small town of Pontypool, Ontario, Grant Mazzy is surprised by a woman who bangs on his car window, repeating something that he can't make out until he lowers the window. As he, as she wanders off into the snow, she repeats the things that Mazzy yells after her. But he clearly doesn't think too much of it because he carries on his way to work. There at the radio station, he begins his morning show, annoying the other staff members, Laurelan and Sydney, with his incredibly abrasive radio personality. Yeah, kind of, kind of over the top. <laughs> Just a little. I believe it's referred to as like a shock jock. Yes. That's a phrase that I've seen thrown around in relation to this movie. I don't know if they say it in the movie or if just... I think the author of the book the movie's based on calls it that, and that's why that phrase just jumps around so much in my mind. Yeah, I think that's just a name for like this kind of radio anger who just kind of yell a lot. Today we just call that a podcaster. That is true. Uh, so they take a call about a sudden gathering of people outside the office of one Dr. Joe Mendez, which takes a sudden turn for the worse as it's reported that the gathering has grown violent. There are people stampeding over each other and even tearing down part of the building somehow. Multiple casualties are confirmed by Ken Loney, one of the station's correspondents up in the Sunshine Chopper, but he is cut off from the station. The trio trying to find some witnesses to put on air while Grant sullenly interviews members mm-hmm. of a local production of Hello. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Grant interviews some members of a local production of Lawrence of Arabia. They sing a lovely song for him. Are they in brown face? Yes, they are. Uh, I believe one of them is dressed up as like a terrorist. 
like a very uh-huh. stereotypical terrorist. And has a fake gun. Uh, it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot. On this rewatch, I noticed the brown face. I had not noticed that six years ago when I watched this the first time. Um, it's a whole lot. I mean, it's completely uncommented on. Yeah, um, Mazzy sucks. Yeah, um, he, well, I mean, there are, like, three people in this room, and none of them are like, uh, hey. Yeah, it's just, like, our our main character is just a racist. Just blatantly a racist in this scene, so. Yeah, I mean, the implication here is that, like, this is a local production, and, like, everyone is fine with this in the town. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which, cool, Pontypool, I guess. Seems like a nice place to live, huh? After they finish their songs, one of the singers, a young girl, seems confused and upset, and begins repeating pra before the group leaves. The trio discuss that obviously this is strange, but they keep trying to get witnesses for the earlier Mendez story, but all of the witnesses seem to get cut off before they can go on air, and Sydney suggests that the station might be being fucked with. They are suddenly contacted by the BBC, looking for information on the sudden occurrences, and after being grilled for answers that he doesn't have, Grant receives another call from Ken, who has found refuge from the riots in a grain silo. He describes to Grant how the rioters seem to be trying to eat each other, and even themselves, before he's attacked by one of them. His call is cut off again, though, as the station's broadcast is interrupted by a signal transmitting a message in French. Um... God, what's the preacher from from Outer Worlds called? Max. Yeah, he doesn't fucking speak French. <laughs> oh, he's great. Vic- Vicar yeah. Max. Shout out. Terrible game, out but Vicar love Max. that character. <laughs> so, Laurel Ann translates her message, and Grant reads it out live on air. It is a warning to remain indoors, avoid certain kinds of language, like terms of endearment or rhetorics. And also, not to speak in English, or translate the message. Oops. Which comes through a little bit too late. At this point, the trio learn that Pontypool has been placed in quarantine and that none of them are to leave the station. Ken manages to call back in and gets his phone close enough to his heavily injured attacker for everyone to hear them murmuring the word mommy repeatedly in a child's voice. Listening to this clearly has some kind of effect on Grant, who, seeming to hear audio hallucinations until being snapped out of them by Sydney, angrily storms out of the recording booth, believing that the town and the radio staff are messing with him. Now, my read on this scene, and I don't know if this is correct, I briefly looked at some other synopsises and they didn't mention this at all, mm-hmm. but that's him beginning to get infected, right? I feel like, yeah. I and think then that's Sydney what that says is. some Sydney says some bullshit that he completely doesn't understand about a cat, and that snaps him out of it. <laughs> right, uh, 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 the cat from the intro monologue. Yes, Mrs. Someone's cat has gone missing. Yes, that's a really good intro, by the way. I yeah. guess I didn't mention that. You can like, I will say, you didn't have any problem watching this movie. I could not find it anywhere except a YouTube video where three quarters of the screen are filled with swirling stars, and also, as I learned later, um. There's a part where they speak in French, and uh, there are probably subtitles for that. No subtitles on mine because they cut the screen down. Wow. Uh, well, so- <laughs> shout out to shout out to like Movie Fan ninety eight on YouTube or something, I guess. <laughs> um, I, which I 
Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to watch the intro, the intro is just on YouTube in like fully legible video. Like it's just ripped. It's on there. You should go watch that. If, even if you don't feel like watching the movie, because it's it's just a, ni- a neat little like two minute thing. Um, if things I read on the internet and forget the source of it to be believed, apparently the original vision for the movie was like just that, just Grant's voice and the the waveform. I found on YouTube, apparently. I think this is a real, like, officially licensed thing, but there's an hour-long video on YouTube that is just the dialogue from the movie. Um, um, yeah, it was it was produced as a as a movie and then also as a radio play, I think. Yeah. So that, that, Which that, is cool. I also bought the book this is based on. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I'll check back in on another episode and see if I have anything interesting to say about it. Yeah, I can imagine the radio play works really well, actually, because... As far as, like, visuals go, I don't really think any of, like, the visual language in this movie is important even slightly. There's one cool thing that this movie does visually is just a cool thing with uh, the window. We'll get to that in just a little bit, but, you know, I can totally see this being an audio drama. Definitely. Um, I think while we're just on, like, the cinematography, a lot of this movie is really close-up shots. It's a very, like claustrophobically shot movie mm-hmm. um and that's uh interesting yeah especially like after we fucking what we watched last week and i think that was just kind of shot however they fucking felt like it <laughs> yeah yeah fair um so grant attempts to go outside to get some air but has to return very quickly indoors as a group of people begin to slam at the doors of the studio repeating a phrase that sydney had yelled out while the doors were open also, at this point, um, you don't have this in your summary, but uh, Laura Land starts using the word sir a lot because she is. it is remarked briefly that she did a tour in Afghanistan previously, and she just starts slipping into that mode as this crisis starts kicking up, and that was just a little interesting character note. It's not really yeah. important or anything. It's just neat. As they... As they slam the door shut to, like, stop these people getting in, she turns to Grant and says, We have an enemy, sir, which is yeah, the, the least, like, person <laughs> sentence, I can imagine. I know what they're, like, going for. I don't know yeah, that I mean, that's... It, it sticks out, and it's mm-hmm. very stark, so I think it works to that. Yeah. To, like, some degree, I guess. It's very noticeable as, like, a shift. Yeah. So, after that, they lock themselves inside the studio. Uh, Grant, seemingly convinced by the the fact that there are people attacking the studio, that this is all pretty real, goes off to read some obituaries live. Uh, as he is reading those obituaries out, which are mostly people killing other people, and then those people killing other people again, uh, we see the people whose obituaries he is reading out, all in kind of a, a black and white view, front-facing, almost kind of like a, a portrait. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will come back later. While he's doing that, Sydney and Laura Land speak. Uh, Laura Land begins to repeat the word missing after overhearing it on the station speakers and walks off. Sydney takes a whistling kettle off the heat only to realize that Laura Land, stopped in the hallway, is imitating the noise. Very suddenly, Dr. Mendez climbs in through a window of the station and, recognizing what is wrong with Laura Land, escorts Sydney away from her and into the recording booth where Grant is. I like Dr. Mendez. He's very mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. He's an asshole. 
Yes, but he's a very fun asshole. Yes. The best kind. Uh, Laurel Ann attempts to follow them in, but being unable to hear anyone in the booth, she seems to lose track of where they are and wanders off. Dr. Mendez explains that even though she doesn't know it, Laurel Ann is haunting, is hunting them. She is also haunting them, I guess. <laughs> so they begin to talk about the situation a bit, but apparently Laureline can still somehow see them in the booth and begins bashing herself into it trying to reach them. Ken calls back into the station and, on air, succumbs to whatever strange thing is beginning to happen to people. Laureline returns to the booth window having chewed her own bottom lip off and Grant asks if she can read their lips through the glass. This sparks Dr. Mendez to suggest that certain words in the English language have become infected and are capable of infecting those who hear and understand them, the understanding being the the key part. These people then seek out another infected person to violently kill themselves with, which is why a lot of the obituaries were also involving the death of another person. Sydney calls her children, only to hear them being infected by her words, and outside the booth, Laureline suddenly vomits a large gout of blood and viscera before falling down dead. This, Dr. Mendez suggests, happened because she was not able to find a victim to die with. At this point, a large crowd of people burst into the studio, crowding around the sound booth. The three quietly try to figure out what to do by writing on a pad of paper, and figure out that they can distract the crowd by looping a recording of Grant's voice and playing it on the studio's exterior speakers. They choose to broadcast the phrase, Sydney Briar is alive. At this point, Dr. Mendez begins to show symptoms of the virus, repeating breathe, but manages to suppress it by talking to himself in Armenian. I'm going to take a big sip, break, and do some breathing. Mm-hmm. Grant and Sydney leave the booth to explore the station while sticking to French, and end up killing the singer from earlier when she attacks them in the lobby of the studio. The two briefly discuss if Mendez might be dangerous, and, if required, which of them should kill him. When the recording playing outside fails and the mob returns, Grant and Sydney lock themselves into an equipment room, but not before Dr. Mendez flees back out into the snow through his window, loudly repeating that Sydney Briar is alive. This draws the mob away, and Grant and Sydney are saved. Some this, time passes. Sorry. This is the part where the national anthem plays? Is that what that is? I think that's uh, because I, I'm pretty sure that's what brings Mendez out of the sound booth. Is that the is when the national anthem starts playing through all the speakers? I don't really know why it does that. Ah, uh, I assume it's some kind of like default audio file, maybe. Uh huh. Could be. Like I think power tripped and it came back on, and so. Mm-hmm. It went back to a like preset recording, maybe. That's um, fair. I assumed Dr. Mendez came out of the audio booth because he could see Grant and Sydney in the kitchen just like royally trying to fuck up a speaker. Yeah. Um, would love to know what Dr. Mendez is saying during all of this when he's speaking in Armenian. Yeah, uh, I, I guess that it doesn't have subtitles then? Yes, it did not. I suppose to some degree it can't be that important, because otherwise they wouldn't obscure it. Sure, yeah. I just wouldn't... Because, like, I didn't get the French subtitles, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, By the way... All of the French is subtitled. uh, All the French, like, I kind of followed, like, 
60 or 70 percent of it even though i couldn't i don't speak any french um it just i feel like they conveyed that pretty well that even though i couldn't read the subtitles i vaguely got basically the idea yeah and it's very obvious like grant is barely following the conversation i don't think there's a few <laughs> words which is really funny um I suppose the first fucking thing he says in French is just like, Allons-y. <laughs> um, so, Dr. Mendes heroically sacrifices himself to save them, I guess. He is off in the snow. Um, and some time passes, still locked in, Grant begins to play the BBC recording back to himself, trying to figure out how he might reverse the effects of the virus and how understanding of words might be reversed or undone. Sydney is drinking a lot, and begins to repeat the word kill, beginning to be infected by the virus. Trying to distort her understanding of the word, Grant repeats to her that kill is kiss over and over, eventually causing her symptoms to disappear. Hoping to use this knowledge to cure other people in the town, Grant convinces Sydney to return to the booth with him and go back on air. Ignoring warnings from authorities that are being broadcast to them, trying to get them off air, they begin broadcasting contradictory phrases and other nonsense in an attempt to confuse and upset the understanding of any infected words, with Grant eventually leaning back into his nonsensical shock jock broadcasting style. During this, the authorities begin to count down from ten, and Sydney joins Grant in the booth. As they kiss, the countdown ends and an explosion can be heard as the film cuts to black. Big set break. Over the credits, further radio reports chart the spread of the virus as it eventually reaches back to England, the quarantine clearly having failed. And finally, in an after-credits scene, Grant and Sydney reappear in a stylized black and white view, similar to that given to the victims read out in the earlier obituary section, apparently having survived the virus by taking on new, over-the-top personas. Grant describes his plan to get out of here, and the scene fades back into colour. And that's Party Pool. Bruce and I first started cooking up this film. There was very little zombie on the scene. And then, you know, stomp, 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 zombie comes back, then zombie, more zombie, zombie, zombie. Everybody talks about Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead or 28 Days Later, whatever. They talk about it in terms of it being this, it's a, really a metaphor for you know, clearly, blah, 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 A is B. You know, of whatever communism or red menace or uh, global warming, whatever it is that does that, right? To me, it's always been, here's the setup, here's the metaphor, here's the thing coming at you, la, la, la. But it's really a metaphor for metaphors that keep hunting you long after they've been meaningful. They keep coming at you, right? And so that's the thing that's always been interesting to me, is there figures of speech that become predatory long after their sort of meaning as figures of speech have sort of left the, left the state. And so, I mean, that to me is the interesting last, you know, hundred yards of a zombie's life. Uh, the most recent zombies I've, I've seen are in the mirror. The zombies I see now are in the mirror. Uh, you get older and you start to eat your own brain fact there's there's Pontypool um the first of three movies apparently I guess the others just haven't been made yet huh 
Yeah, there's plans for a, a sequel and a third movie. Weird. I understand. This movie came out a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I like this movie, and uh, I was... I don't remember how I came across it. It was definitely a long time ago. It was, like, pre-Nora, so, like, several years ago. Um... It was definitely in the in the span of time where I was really interested in movies that I thought were just weird or hard to like follow, which I don't think this yeah. movie is. Uh, having returned to it, but I was. Yeah, I think it's pretty pretty straightforward. We are kind of in a a line of watching pretty straightforward movies, but I feel like there's still stuff to chew on here. This is the first time I've seen it. But yeah. I really enjoyed Party Pool. Yeah, I also. Um, was at the time a person who really liked Snow Crash, which has some kind of similar language-based plot points, and basically using language to hack a human brain the way that you would use computer languages. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's what brought me to this movie originally, and I just kind of like it. Uh, I don't have any like deep takes on it, really. Um, I just like it. It's a cool movie <laughs> yeah i enjoyed it a lot i think it's a a very like interesting concept that they executed well mm-hmm. i like how there is clearly like some inconsistency with who gets infected which is like how viruses kind of work i guess mm-hmm. yeah there are moments where like sydney gets picked up no uh, not sydney laura lamb gets the virus from hearing missing but sydney doesn't mm-hmm. um, yeah there is the suggestion that, like, Grant is drawing them over the radio to him this entire time, which is why they all gather in the radio station. Yeah. The one um, plot point early on is that Dr. Mendez has been in the news for writing unnecessary prescriptions. Yes. Um, which... Which I feel like that is, like, the, the, the gesture toward, like, oh, Mendez is involved with because he knows what's going on he knows the virus that or whatever it is that is affecting people it sure seems like he's been studying this and now it is just like burst out of his control and stuff yeah my assumption is he's been studying and trying to treat it for Mm -hmm. some while which is what all the unnecessary prescriptions are because obviously medication for something like this that people don't know about is gonna be flagged as like not legit. Yeah. Um, Mendez is fun. I hear he c- comes in through the window. Leaves through the window. Yeah, it's like uh, Chekhov's gun. If you put a gun through the window in the first act, it will crawl back out the window in the third act. Yeah, that is what Chekhov's gun is. Yeah, it's about crawling guns. Um, I also like how this movie is like entirely within the station for the most part. It's very, like I said, very claustrophobic. Very focused on specific sets and very specific places while grant is in the car at the beginning we like don't see any background really at all Mm -hmm. yeah it is basically just him also i like the ending the uh post credit scene enough that uh one time in an rpg i played a character named lisa the killer damn it is a good scene yeah it's very fun yeah it's Um, like they they start to make too much sense and they're like oh hush and then they cuts away (laughs) Yeah, it's really good how, like, the solution to avoiding this understanding is just distorting the way they use the language. It would be very interesting to, like, 
a, a post-apocalypse world where no one speaks English because English is like this infected language is really cool, and somebody should write that story. <laughs> yeah, that would be very interesting. Because, like, going into any, like, ruins or something, I guess, becomes really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, ruins of the past world, because if you see any writing in English, wow, good, great job. I guess we're dead now. <laughs> huh. But yeah, um, I I love language. I, like I'm a writer. I've been a writer basically my whole life. Language is a very like important thing in my perception of what people are, and so like I love when things play with language as like a virus or a weapon or stuff like that. It's very interesting to think about language and what people can do with it. So yeah, yeah. Speaking of like language and personas, I really like how Grant is just like an angry man, but when he's in the booth and he's speaking, there is like a charm and a smoothness to that anger that he delivers really well and completely loses when he's not at the microphone. Yeah, he's also just a really fragile dude who like everyone around him has to coddle all the time. Like, his very fragile ego about having been fired and, like, being at this small radio station now instead of wherever he used to be. Because, like, Sydney has to, like, walk on eggshells to, like, sate his ego for the whole first half of the movie. Yeah, it's my understanding as well is that he's been fired from, like, a much bigger job and is just so frustrated at the idea of that he has to work in such a small town. Yeah, he's an arrogant son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm like, it just he has no understanding of the like the dynamic being different in a new place. Yeah. I he's he is not a very self aware person either. No, and he just completely falls apart when people push him on it. Yeah. That's um, very good. Um great voice though. Fucking love his voice. Hell yeah. I wish I had that smooth radio voice. <laughs> <sighs> I wanted to be a voice actor when I was a teenager. When I was in like high school, that was like the thing I wanted to do. I've always wanted to do a little, a little voice acting. Uh, and so now I'm a podcaster. Close enough. It just really made me think of the the witch, where like the male lead in that had such a fucking like mm-hmm. recognizable voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, love a good voice, folks. We got an it. email about this movie. We did. Do you want to read that out? Yeah. Um, Tron says, I really enjoyed the experience of watching Pontypool a lot, which is exactly how I would describe this. I always enjoy the experience of watching this movie. Um, I would describe it as a remedy game. I cannot explain why. (laughs) It just has huge remedy game vibes to me. Someone at Remedy has either watched this movie a lot or the other way around. I know at least one person at Remedy likes this movie because uh, Vida recommended it. Ah... Um, I would have gotten to it at some point, I'm sure, if I had just remembered that it exists. But uh, thanks, Vita, for reminding me that this cool movie exists. I don't know if Vita listens, but I hope she does. Uh, So we have some questions from Tron. Uh, Do you all like movies that give the viewer ample room to apply their own metaphors and allegories? Um, Broadly, like, yes, I guess. It It is good to be able to have something where people can bring things into it I think yeah but I do also think we should like have 
stuff to say, so everything isn't a Rorschach test. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that I very much enjoy interpretive works, but I do also like having things that I don't have to do that for. What did you think about the soundtrack for this movie? Um, see, maybe I am just this person that doesn't notice soundtracks <laughs> that much. Me too. Um, I think it takes very specific kinds of... It takes vocal tracks for me to notice and register them, I think. Uh, I noticed The Witch because like, it is such a present part of that. There are lots of scenes of nothing but music and visual. Um, yeah. But like, generally I don't think too much about it as a thing in a movie. Yeah, um, if it's like way in the background, I won't notice it. If it's like... If it's given a presence and an importance, then I might do. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously then, in that case, it is intended and you're missing something if you don't. <laughs> yeah, like, for example, um, I love the songs in Ruby, and part of that is that a good chunk of the character work and the storytelling is in the lyrics of the songs that play throughout Ruby. So um, yeah, yeah, and like similarly, I always, like, always fucking notice the music in *Common Rider* because it's like the same song all the time. You know <laughs> when it's coming in, you know like what it is, what it's setting up. Uh huh. Um, and it's it's also very good music. Uh, who's your favorite character? Uh Doctor Mendez, obviously. Yeah. Um, just fucking runs in. It's like, ah, oh, I've seen this. This is great. Watch this. Actually, no, don't. This is terrible. Sorry. Sorry, I meant, uh, so, so here's, it's very interesting what's about to happen to your friend here. Uh, so she is going to die, but let's watch this and see what happens. Oh, that was magnificent. <laughs> uh, dis- disgusting, also, yes. <laughs> uh, um, do you know any language besides English? Nope. I speak a little bit of German. I used to know more of it when I was living in Germany, but I've lost a lot of my vocabulary. Uh, I still like understand the grammar and the structure pretty well i could probably you could probably give me a word and i could tell you what part of speech it is that kind of thing um but like i've lost a lot of just my knowledge of what different words are uh but i used to do okay in high school we did we did french for like one year uh and then the next year we did german (laughs) and then the next year we did spanish so as a result i do not remember any of them I think Autumn speaks some Spanish. Um, one thing that I'm looking into is I do want to learn sign language. Ooh, that'd be cool. That's a thing that I want because of, like, oh, when I'm anxious, I don't talk. And that's a, it would be useful to still be able to talk to Autumn when I am, like, having a bad one, you know? Um, yeah, I've never thought of it as, like, a, as something to be used in that way. Yeah. My sister, I believe, studied, I think she graduated college, uh, like deaf education or something like that. But That's very interesting. I would like to learn Japanese because of the choices I've made in my life and the things I'm interested in. Yeah. It's it's good Uh, to learn languages, it turns out. It would be cool to be able to just, like, watch things in the language they're in. And not have to, not have to read really bad translations. <sighs> he think he a pimp. He, th- I was literally just thinking he think he a pimp. <laughs> uh, um, that and I'm like big into Common Rider now, and Common Rider just doesn't 
get like official uh-huh. translations, I don't think. All I know about Common Rider is that there's the one Common Rider that's an American TV show. <laughs> that's not what I know about. <laughs> it's called like Dragon Knight or Dragon Rider or something. Ooh. I have watched one, no, two series of Common Rider all the way through and I'm in the process of watching two others and I think they're all pretty fucking great. I like the idea of Common Rider, but I've never watched it. You should watch some Common Rider. <laughs> uh, may I recommend X Aid? It's about doctors whom's the game. Ooh, gaming doctors. I'm writing you a prescription for more headshots. <laughs> <sighs> you joke, but <laughs> um, uh, what else we got here? What do you think about the odd time jumps and skips in this movie? Um. I did, like, it tripped me up maybe once or twice, but as, like, I realized this was a a, a very small movie in scope and in probably budget, I would imagine, um, it made sense. The, my favorite one is when uh, Sydney writes, my name is Sydney Breyer, and today I killed a girl, I'm sorry, on the wall, and then it, like, cuts away and then it, when it cuts back, there's like a million things written all over the wall because they've been sitting in there for hours writing to each other on the walls. And that, that was a really good, like, sudden one of those. Yeah, I liked that a lot. That's, I think that's really the only, like, big time jump I noticed, though, I guess. I think it's a little the messier rest... in the early part where they're, like, gathering witnesses and doing stuff. There's some kind of harder-to-follow time jumps in there, I think. Yeah, I guess it felt less like time jumps to me and more just like moving through scenes. Yeah, you because know, it was jumping between the three people who were all doing individual things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. Do you listen to a radio? Uh, discounting podcasts? No. Same. I used to listen to the radio a little bit, and then the channel that I listened to changed to a different channel, and then I stopped listening to the radio. <laughs> And then I moved, so fucking I don't know shit about the radio around here. Uh, I do not think I have ever listened to the radio on purpose. Like, outside of cars? Oh no, only only ever in, in my car. Yeah, I only, I only hear it if it's on in cars and it's not something I choose to put on. It would be like, I'm in a car with someone, and they switch it on. When I was growing up, uh, my family didn't listen to music, ever. Uh, we listened to talk radio, so, you know. Um, what was the scariest scene in the movie for you? The scene where Ken describes... Oh, my phone died. Uh, what oh, no. happened to the teenager in the building was pretty creepy. Uh, the part where, um, Lorelan, like, hits her head on the glass a bunch is pretty pretty scary. Just, like, yeah. kind of unnerving. I really thought that the thing was going to be that she would, like, vomit the blood onto the window and then start writing at them. Yeah, I did kind of expect that. <laughs> um, I think similarly, the scene where like she's just kind of looking at them and mouthing stuff, yeah. and Grant, Grant, it like clicks in Grant's head, like, can she lip read? Yeah, that, that's, that's a great moment. That's a good moment, I think. Aside from that, I don't know that the movie was particularly scary. It's definitely like disturbing or like unpleasant at times. Um, just, but like the yeah. the type of thing of in like this is a zombie movie um the thing in zombie movies about like body 
mutilation and that kind of thing are are not that rough for me personally so yeah i mean it's a movie about people in a scary situation Mm -hmm. more than a movie that is scary i think which yeah it's probably like a lot of horror Uh uh-huh yeah uh, did you find the movie to be funny? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is a funny movie. A couple times, yeah. <laughs> um, I think one of the standard moments of that is after when they're discussing if they might need to kill Mendez. And it's just like, you, you killed the child. I, I did not kill the child. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, that does it for Tron's email. Thank you, Tron. Uh, as always, you can send us emails at exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com. We will be recording Black Christmas soon. I think it's next week as we record. It'll be too late when this goes out to send emails in for that one, but I'm going to tweet about it a couple more times. Um, oh, yeah. What's the Funko report on this one? So, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go Funko.com, and we're going to see. Uh, battery's running low. Might want to plug in your PC. Okay, thank you. This is not my laptop. This is Autumn's. Why is it not plugged in? I don't know why it's not plugged in. The cord is here. It's just not... It's just not plugged in. Come on. There we go. Uh, so, Funko.com. I am greeted immediately with Get Festive with Funko. And here's a Santa Claus in pajamas. Oh, I'd love to be festive. Holding a mug that says, I believe. Um, so I am going to just type in Pontypool into the funko.com search bar <clears throat> my expectations are low here yeah no results for Pontypool but mm. the show must go on which means that I am going to pull up a Funko Pop for you to review I have gone to the Funko Pop catalog and the first Funko Pop on this page is what you will be reviewing today. It is from the movie Bad Boys. Maybe you've heard of it. Ooh. I have not seen this movie, but uh, here we are. Here is your Funko for the week. Let me see. So this appears to be the character Marcus Burnett from the movie Bad Boys, which I do believe I have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got his little police badge there. Uh, he does have his pistol because he's a cop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and they do be owning pistols. Um, there's some clipping there from between his his t-shirt. Well, not his t-shirt. I guess his his shirt and his jeans, which is not great. Would prefer to avoid clipping in any circumstances. Uh, aside from that, this is a very boring. This is a very boring Funko Pop. It's just kind of a man. Yeah, it's just kind of a dude. I guess, you know, it's one of those bad boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think this one is a... This is a zero Funkos out of five Funkos for me. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, but this was a good experience. I'm glad I could continue to sharpen my, my wit mm-hmm. on the whetstone that is a Funko. Yeah, Funko is the gift that keeps on giving. It always does. There is a, a Ghostbusters Funko in the mall like this that has, like, actual... Eyes and pupils? Uh, no, that's not a Funko. Oh, is it an associated thing? It's the, the Funko creates multiple types of products. Um, wow. 
They have pops, they have dorbs, they have vinyl, they have action figures. Uh, it's all under catalog if you mouse over at the top. Uh, they have lots of different products, uh, but Funko Pops are a very specific like chunk of it. Like they also t- sell keychains and Pez candy dispensers on this website. So. Ah. There is uh, a Dr. Raymond stance here that I thought was Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> it does kind of look like that. Uh, well, if we are done in the Funko Zone, would you like to take us to the sign-offs? And I will try not to trample all over you this time. Yeah. Uh, the sign-offs. You can find me on Twitter at neither Nora or at Zoetics. That's Poetics spelled with an X at the front. Uh, you can find my uh, gamescrit writing at medium.com slash at Nora F. Blake and my poetry at medium.com slash at Zoe Mars. X-O-E-M-A-R-S. You can also find the podcast network at exportodd.io or at patreon.com slash exportaudio. You can send us money, and that'll help us to produce these podcasts. Um, we are currently doing a lot of stuff around here. Uh, it's kind of hectic with Export Audio, and we're getting back into Time to Go Titans because we took a month off out of illness. Uh, so, like, podcasts are coming out. We're churning through the content. It's it's happening. You can get in on it. There's lots of good stuff on the network, and I'm not just saying that because I'm here. But you are here. I am here, and you can find me elsewhere on Twitter at WhereGazelle. You can also find links to the work I do in video games and tabletop games there. Hell yeah. So, unfortunately, time is up for the Cower Hour. You can join us next time as, if I understand how linear time works, we'll be watching Krampus. But until then, good night. Good night. <laughs>